Co. Start. A. Con. Verb. Say. Shun. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the eighth episode of Let's Go Start a Conversation. If you haven't seen or listened to our previous episodes, be sure to check those out on Spotify or YouTube. We started this podcast in order to create a safe space for us to talk about life, school, community, identity, and everything in between. We want to use this platform as a way to empower each other's narratives and to destigmatize what it means to be Vietnamese and Asian American, or just a person going through life in general. Yeah, and breaking down identities in our community, you know, allyship, mental health, all of these discussions that we've been having from previous episodes lead into our final episode of the series where we, where we will be discussing leadership through the lens of student and professionals and also what it means to be a leader in a historically underrepresented community. So on this episode, we have a special guest from our board of directors, Nathan Yang. Hello, Nathan. Um, can you introduce yourself for us, your pronouns? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, James and Maya, for having me here. Uh, my name is Nathan Zhang. My pronouns are he and his. Super excited to have a conversation with you all. Thanks, Nathan. And I'm James Wen for he and his pronouns, and I am the Minnesota State Representative. Yes, and if you guys don't remember who I am, I'm Maya Powers. I use she or her pronouns. I'm an Illinois COSAR from UIC. Um, and I guess before we dive into you know, the thick of it, I just want to give you guys, you know, the disclaimer, the trigger warning. So anything that we say in our podcast are the views and experiences of the individual speakers, and they do not reflect UVC Midwest as a whole. So just be aware that some of the topics we discuss in our podcast might be personal, might be sensitive. Um, and so some of the triggers include trauma, anxiety, depression, racism, discrimination. So that's something sensitive to you. Just keep an ear out for that. Thanks, Maya. All right, so Nathan, you're a college student once. We don't know everything about you, but we know that you've been incredibly involved with the community and have a lot of experience. So to kind of start this discussion, and to start with a simple question and lean more into those experiences that you've had. Um, we've discussed in previous episodes, the common stressors like you know, class, family, uh, work life, uh, just every student life. Um, so, in your experience from taking on leadership positions, how did you balance all of these for yourself while also managing others that you're responsible for? Um, yeah, yeah, that's a very good question. Um, I, I think I have been very used to being incredibly busy all the time, uh, but, but I, I enjoy it. And I think it comes down to having an incredible sense of empathy. An incredible sense of understanding where folks are coming from and what they're going through, not being too harsh to make um, judgment or harsh to make decisions. Um, so, as a leader, as, as you're working with with other folks, you know you, you have to treat them as if they're not your employee, but someone that you want them to learn and to grow. And with that, takes um, a level of of empathy to be able to to try to understand what needs they, they want or what needs they that they have, whether it be personally or professionally. Um, if it's per, uh, personally, sometimes they just need a friend to talk to. Uh, there's been many instances where we've had late nights planning for events where I would just 
call someone and be like, oh, hey, how's it, how are you doing? What's, what's going on? How can I best support you? Um, and it's just really being there for them. And in terms of how to go about managing everything, it all comes down to, well, in college, I was like a sticky note, like madman. <laughs> I would have just sticky notes across the whole wall and I would just look at everything and I would heart, like, keep, like departmentalize the things I needed to do. But taking like a further step back from that, it was just along the lines of like setting expectations and setting clear boundaries of, of things that I am willing to do and not willing to do. Um, the biggest thing that I learned in terms of like time management in college is saying no and not having to explain myself as to why I'm saying no for something. I hope I answered that question. Yeah, you did, absolutely. Uh, and yeah, a couple important points. Um, the first one, empathy, um, I think it's almost a prerequisite for leadership to me, um, just because I mean, it takes uh, so much time and energy to, you know, take care of not just yourself, but also others. Um, and like you touched on, like you're responsible for, uh, in a way, uh, not just managing like their the work, but also like their uh, mental health. Yeah, exactly. something I want to add on to that. Oh, sorry. Um, something I want to add on to that is I think VSA, in my experience, VSA culture has like, you know, the bait train culture where we kind of like to peer pressure our friends into taking on these responsibilities. And that is fun to do. But I think, I think Nathan, what you said about learning how to say no is something really important. And that's something I need to learn how to do myself because I just like, like to do as much as I can, right? But then I do need to take a step back and kind of realize, okay, how much am I taking on and can I handle it? Um, and I think another thing I want to touch on this is accountability. Um, and then also remembering why you're here. So like something that is really special that I've learned from being a part of the COSAR cohort, something that Linda has reminded me of all the time is that we're doing this for fun. We don't get paid to be here and all these hours that we put in was like for free, you know, we're doing this because we want to. So that's kind of something to keep you grounded. And if you're ever feeling like, why am I doing this? This isn't fulfilling. This isn't bringing me, you know, any type of happiness anymore. When it starts becoming a job and when it like starts to not become fun anymore, that's kind of when you know, like to reevaluate your situation. Yeah, I definitely agree with the whole, you're volunteering your time and because you, know, you want to be here and it brings you enjoyment, it brings you fun. I've been involved in this organization for nine, almost 10 years now. <laughs> so it's been quite a, quite a long time. And uh, if you're involved in something that much, you know, you, you have to truly deep down, really enjoy the work that you are doing. Yeah, Nathan, you've, you've honestly left. <laughs> you're, you're leaving a legacy, a VSA legacy of 10 years. So we appreciate all the stuff that you've done for this organization. Just putting that out there. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, I appreciate um, it. To gear this conversation, because uh, we have to remind ourselves that um, our constituents are most likely uh, VSA students, so 
have a scenario that I just like want to pose because I, I feel like this happens more often, uh, especially this past uh, year or two. Um, so for example, you're, you're on board. Um, one of your board members is swapped with school with maybe really troubles, family issues, um, maybe just all of it. And it makes it difficult to focus on VSA to the point that they uh, you know, consider quitting. Um, I guess this isn't like a VSA specific example. It could be uh, just in your professional life as well. But um, yeah, just like kind of what's your take on that scenario and how would you kind of go about it? Yeah, yeah. So, and if this person is just completely overwhelmed, underwater, is on the verge of quitting, I think that you really need to to play to understand empathy here. And what I mean by that, it's really easy for you to think what's good for the organization versus what's good for the person. Um, however, what I've learned that those things go hand in hand. So I guess before convincing the person to stay, you need to, to ask this person like, hey, um, does, does this organization, organization still bring you enjoyment or is it just because you're just overwhelmed with a lot of things? Do you still like being a part? Do you still like giving back to your community? Do you still like planning events and doing all that kind of stuff? Then if that's the case, that person still wants to be a part of the community, so they should still stay. Right? If deep down they still love what they do, then they should still stay. If they don't, then there's no point in keeping them on. Um, once you've answered that first question, then the follow-up question is, is you need to ask them, what is the best way that you can support them? And this has to be a team effort. Um, there has been many situations with UVS and with eBoard where there have been eBoard members that have taken breaks, right? I'm sure you all do not know about that at all, that they all seem like as if they are one cohesive team of all five. No, that is never the case. It's very rarely that there are five people all on the same part. Is it four or five? Five, right? Yeah, five. <laughs> it's, it's very rarely that there are five people on board at the same time all working together. If that's the case, you need to be really clear with them and tell them, like, I need you to clearly communicate with me on the things that you need help with. And you need to have a conversation across your whole board and tell them, I need you to be brutally honest with me. Like, are we capable of doing this? How can I best support you? What makes the most sense? Because at the end of the day, like, yes, these things are important. Yes, these organizations are important. But as a student, you are there for an education first, then the experience afterwards. So it's very important to be mindful of that. And that's how I would treat it. Yeah, honestly, now that you say that, that's pretty admirable because I think on the outside, you know, eboard they, they just look like they have their stuff together, you know? I would have never have guessed that, you know, behind the scenes, people are dealing with their own things. But I mean, I guess now that you bring it up, that's, that's a reality. I know for like me doing active sorority work, like there was a point in the semester where I had to tell our president, hey, you need to take a step back. Um, it's when VIA one stuff really started to like roll, you know, really started to like get the ball rolling with VIA one stuff. By the way, for listeners who are not aware, um, VIA one is UVSA Midwest annual flagship conference, and I am a part of the team that's putting that together. Um, but anyway, um, definitely that communication, communicating with you know whoever your leader is, like, hey, you know, I need I need a breather. That's totally okay. 
um, and you're not a bad person for wanting to take a step back and you're not weak or you're not incompetent for wanting to give yourself that break because everybody needs that. Yeah, definitely. Um, just asking, you know, are you okay? Um, first, then afterwards, just letting them know that you support them and whatever work that they have, uh, that could wait because uh, your mental health should be prioritized. So, yeah, and then, like I mentioned about uh, past year with the pandemic, all these stressors are compounded by the fact that we're living in a pandemic as well. And it's uh, evident that um, it's made things a little bit more tricky to navigate around with engaging our uh, communities and students. Um, yeah, opening up the floor a little bit, what piece of advice do y'all have for our student leaders or yeah, in uh, student orgs? I have a few points I'd like to share myself, but I'd like to hear your thoughts first. So I think more than ever, this is the time for, for folks to be really creative in the way they do things. I think that if anything that these past couple of years have taught us is that it's always it's okay to challenge the status quo. It's okay to think outside the box. It's okay to question why you're doing things. It's okay to ask why. And I think that if that's the case, you really need to, to uh, essentially throw everything that you know out the window in terms of past events, all that stuff, and not necessarily start over, but like find, take a, a different path. And um, so in, in terms of tangible stuff, that means leaning into technology. Technology is a great tool. Um, when I was in college, we had Skype, and that was that was mainly about it. I, I, I dated, a, I had a girlfriend, long distance relationship, and there was no FaceTime, there was uh, no Zoom. All I had was Skype, and that was rough, right? And things have progressed so much further. So really lean into technology. There's Gather Town, there's House Party, there's Zoom, and yes, there is Zoom fatigue. But there's also different things that you could do too. So lean into technology, think outside the box, social distance, of course. Um, and there's also like benefits of being remote too. So for example, I can't tell you the last time I wore dress pants <laughs> or dress shoes, right? I've worn like sweatpants and shorts for two years straight. <laughs> and it's, I felt it's that. It's been phenomenal. <laughs> it's been I phenomenal. <laughs> like only being dressed to business casual from the the waist up is very very spot on to the zoom experience um something that i know my sorority does for zoom like to combat zoom fatigue is that we you know we acknowledge it's not the same environment as like being in person sitting in a chair for two hours so like what we do is we we give ourselves breaks like every two hours you know and during a meeting give ourselves a break to kind of recoup water breaks stuff like that is really important when like doing zoom events and um during our during our vo one um fall retreat our hospitality director richie did this really cool eyeball yoga um to kind of combat zoom fatigue so he kind of had us do like different movements with our eyes to wake ourselves up and that was really nice um yeah oh i just remembered um like we've had like Zoom conferences the past two years, but uh, Midwest tried out, uh, gosh, what was it? Gathertown. That was a great idea. And that like, 
I think was the only one of that type. Uh, for, for our listeners yeah. who don't know, it's like, kind of, how would you describe my like a like a Stardew Valley it's like, kind of platform? It's like an RPG. It kind of yeah. looks like Pokemon. Yeah, it's like this website. And instead of, you know, doing meetings through Zoom, the old basic Zoom, um, you kind of have your little character and you like interact as a character in a space. And then there are different things in the virtual space that you're interacting in that like kind of work as, as as if you were in a real conference so you could go into a room and sit down with your family or you could click a you like click a little thing and it would be like um a youtube link to a presentation like it was really cool i actually think my sorority stole gather town from us because for our midwest sisterhood rally or something um we use gather town and i'm like the only people i know who have done this is uvac midwest so interesting um can you guys hear me all right yeah yeah and okay it, it got pretty popular like, for a bit there yeah yeah gather town is great and super innovative i should have asked nathan have you seen gather town were you uh part of that planning at all yeah, yeah, I was uh, actually at that conference for for Gathertown. Um, yeah, I had to be there. My I to I graduated Purdue University, so I had to had to support. Oh my God! Awesome. Um, I think some other advice that I have for student org people are. Um, I guess my biggest thing that I've learned from doing student org stuff for the past couple of years is that what you give to the organization is what you give back. Does that make sense? So if you're putting in a lot of work and a lot of passion into the org, you will get all of that back. Um, and that could look like the relationships, um, the networking opportunities, the growth, the leadership growth. Um, but you know, the more you put in, the more you get back. Um, so I guess you kind of just have to want, you have to evaluate like how involved, how passionate do I want to be about this? Um, but you never lose from putting in hard work in my experience. I 1 million percent agree with you on that. All the skills, business skills, negotiating tactics, all the experiences, all the friends I have now is through VSA. My mentors through VSA as well, my professional mentors through VSA. And I wouldn't have the job I have or the, the, the lifestyle I have if it was not for VSA and the networks and the connections I had to VSA. Phenomenal organization. Yeah, and I guess that leans into uh, more of what advice I had. Um, so as a student, you're probably asking yourself, like, what's next for you, right? You probably have a plan figured out, or maybe you don't. Take it as from us, um, regardless if you have plans laid out or you're looking for your next big thing, um, the fact is you know, you're surviving through, or have survived through some of the hardest and most uh, emotionally draining years of your life. Um, job applications, they're gonna get you down. Um, I applied like a hundred over the course of like two or three years and had like maybe uh, like a third like actually get back to me. That was stressful. Um, oh my God, James, you're making me so scared. I haven't graduated yet. I'm like, I'm horrified. I'm so sorry. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, 
what a lot of us have to deal with. And um, the rejections or silence from these companies, it's gonna make you feel some type of way. Don't let that break your spirit. Kind of lean into your community, like Nathan, you said, and Maya, um, lean into your network. Uh, there's reserves of untapped, unsolicited advice out there for you. And I want to stress to our students that no one is inadequate just because you didn't get a job right out of college. Um, if you're taking a gap year, if you're traveling, if you're working in your hometown, that's okay. That's what you feel is best for you and that's all that matters. Yeah, thanks, James. That's super insightful. That you know what, honestly, that does make me feel a little bit better about my situation. Um, but yeah, it's, it gets a lot of pressure. But you know, and with that, we're gonna segue into discussing you know what leadership looks like beyond school. But first, we're gonna take a short intermission. So I will see you guys soon. All right, welcome back to the second half of episode eight, everyone. In the first half of this episode, we dived into our experiences as students. But as I mentioned, we're onto the future in this half. So shifting gears more towards leadership in the professional world and what it means to can you continue being engaged in your community. Um, so first question I had, uh, diving into it, um, many of our constituents are transitioning into professional jobs or will transition soon. Um, Nathan or Maya, what leadership skills from college uh, do you think uh, have been most transferable or will be most transferable to the professional world for you, BSA or non-BSA related? Yeah, this one's this one's all for Nathan because I'm not quite there yet, but I would really like to know myself. <laughs> um, so there's multiple different levels to look at it, right? Uh, fresh out of school, first trouble is, is finding a job. Um, something that I experienced and when I just graduated undergrad, I was under immense pressure to find a job right away from my family. And, and um, I want to say it's okay to not have a job right outside of school. You don't need it. Um, and then also something that I, I, I recognized was being um, Asian American, Vietnamese American, uh, first generation American, we lack a lot of resources in terms of networking with their family. Um, my family, do, they do not have white collar jobs. They don't have medical jobs. They don't have finance jobs. They don't have those nice jobs that a lot of other folks, parents that are non-minorities do. And as such, it's, it's recognizing that fast and then building that network outward away from the family looking for that. And not being scared to ask for help. So what that means is like, do you remember when you went to your first general body meeting, and how like nervous you are, but eventually you reached out, you talked to the president or you talked to the secretary or you talked to something and you got fully involved. The next thing you know, you're like the executive director of the conference, right? The same thing applies out in the real world when it comes to networking. With my mentor, I had met her at a NASA conference in, in, in Boston, and she told me what she did. And I walked up straight to her, and I was like, how do I be like you, right? And that's all it took. And she taught me the ropes. She taught me everything. And she taught me how to interview, how to write a resume. She prepped me for the job. She prepped me for success. And that's what got me here today. And, and, and you are going to fail a lot, and it's okay. I think I had 
48 rejections. <laughs> and that's okay. That's okay. It's, it's okay to have that many rejections. You're going to be fine. You're going to be okay as long as you're thoughtful about what you do and as long as you tell yourself it's going to be okay. Yeah, honestly, thanks thanks for that, Nathan. I think, you know, um, I, I am Mexican-American and I definitely resonate with like, I am a first-generation college student. I didn't have anybody to help me navigate college at all, even applying for college. And then now I'm almost finished and like going to the workforce and like, my family doesn't like know how to support me. You know, all they can do is like root, like cheer me on, but it's really intimidating, especially going to school and all my peers, you know, have these connections that I just simply do not. And in my field that I want to work in, um, which is entertainment, a lot of people get their jobs from people they know, and it's just really, really daunting. And I guess one of the questions I want to ask you is how do you also deal with imposter syndrome? Because I feel that a lot. Um, and then also just like me, I know you can't talk on this, but also just me as a woman, I feel imposter syndrome in spaces a lot. Um, so have you ever dealt with that or like, have you experienced that? And like, how do you handle that? Completely valid to feel that way. Um, I have had imposter syndrome for a very long time and it's okay to feel that way. And like, to be honest, Maya, like, I know people who are like 52, who are like partners at firms and they still have imposter syndrome. Um, and to be honest, like, no one really knows what they're doing. <laughs> they, they don't really know what they're doing. Uh, but they know how to, they know how to figure it out. They know how to problem solve. They know how to get, they know how to find the answer. And, and um, I guess a, another way to answer that is, is a good timeline is usually you spend about two and a half to three years in a role, and that's when you feel the most comfortable. But even then, you run into challenges as well. Uh, it's important to remember your job is to not do the job, it's to solve the problems in the job. Does that make sense? And that's, that's what you have to remember. Yeah, um, I guess on another syndrome. I've also had the feeling like every actually role at some point. Um, I question, you know, uh, should I even be here? And question whether like the people I'm serving deserve more than what I'm giving them. Um, but you also have to remember that at the end of the day, uh, you were chosen for this. Um, at least one person or several people maybe looked at you and said, um, we think you're the person for this. So I think keep that in mind. Um, if you're feeling some type of way, uh, we'll help you. Mm -hmm. And I guess the, the follow-up on that is, is once you've made it, once you fought for your uh, place for yourself at the table, don't forget to, to bring other folks like you up too. Because me being an Asian American, um, I had very few people that looked like me, that talked like me, that acted like me, that had interests like me in my career field. Um, and especially as, as a, like you were saying, Maya, as, as, a, as a woman, right? There are very few women in leadership where I'm, I'm currently at. And um, it's okay to be the first one at the table. Just don't forget to bring others up with you too, to support others up with you too. 
that is great advice. Thank you so much. I will I will remember that. And that does tie into the next uh, discussion topic. Because um, for this topic, we want to revisit past discussions in our previous episodes, because uh, being a leader also means knowing who you are and who you represent. So for y'all, what does leadership look like in career and representation? I think leadership and representation, um, there is a balance, right? Um, that balance being, I think, is important to be diverse in, in leadership. But I also think it's important that people are qualified to be in those positions. But also, it's important to, to view diversity outside the lens of just race. Um, for example, uh, let's say that I am a Vietnamese American. There may be someone else who is also Vietnamese American, but was adopted. Their experiences are completely different than your experiences, and they might be able, they might not understand the same problems you understand. So I think that oftentimes in the corporate world, they're like, oh, my company is diverse. I have 30% like black folks and 20% like like Asian folks. No, it goes beyond that too. If it goes, it goes multiple different layers. It goes that it goes into ethnicity background, education, um, income. Um, so it, <laughs> I can go on and on about this, but it, essentially it's understanding that there are multiple layers to diversity and um, being conscious and being aware of that, um, but also always challenging the status quo. And what I mean by that is don't have to do things because it's the same thing that you've always done. You don't have to hire the same person because you've always hired a person that looks and acts like that. You don't have to. If anything, it brings more value to the company. It brings more value to you when you bring people with more diverse experiences. Um, I hope I answered that question. Yeah, it does. Uh, sorry, this just makes me think of a meme. I just saw it was like, uh, person A, uh, why are we doing it this way? It makes no sense. Person B is like, uh, my trainer had bad training and their trainer had bad training. This is a dynasty of bad training. I'm not going to let it die with you. <laughs> I felt that that's that conversation I hear a lot whenever I join a new job. And there's always one, there's always like the whole team has never been trained properly. It's just like a generational curse. Yes, we want to be the ones to break the generational curses, right? <laughs> Yeah, and uh, historically underrepresented um, uh, communities getting seats of power means you know, more uh, resources to reinvest in the community. Um, like if your community can make that income, it means you have more opportunities to grow and uh, opportunities to implement policies if uh, you go that direction to uh, uh, impact you. Yeah. I definitely agree with that, which is why it's so important to to dedicate your time to mentorship as well, to, to mentor other folks that have the same experiences like you. And uh, like you said, James, like once they're also in a position of financial power, and then, then they're able to invest back into their communities, give them more resources, and the cycle continues. And then that's how you uplift the whole community. Um, there are, are diff definitely different other avenues that you can use to uplift the community, but a very important factor that, that folks often forget is the financial aspect 
the knowledge aspect, the professional aspect, and the education aspect. Um, once you incorporate all those, and then your your community will succeed. Yeah, and then this also ties back to our previous episode of representation, um, with I guess the question of how many folks you see in positions of power and uh, management, but also like media representation. Um, we spent a whole episode talking about um, amazing folks in the Vietnamese community, such as uh, you know, Robin Tran, um, and the impact of that representation. Um, let's see. Sorry, I'm trying to think of uh, who else that we mentioned in the episode. Sarah? Yeah, Sarah Nguyen. Yes. Tiara from TikTok. Yes, uh, sorry, my brain just <laughs> no, no worries. went out there. But um, yeah, and tying back into our uh, points here of the importance of putting yourself out there um, and, and becoming a leader um, and using your privilege to bring others up and showing that we have a stake in our communities. Um, most of us are first or second gen, and we're starting over uh, almost just building from the ground up. Um, don't have leaders in positions of power who experience the same things that we experience. So um, we have to be uh, the lead for that. Yeah, I, I definitely agree 100%. Um, growing even now today, I can probably count on one hand how many Asian men that were managers or that were CEOs or that were, <laughs> or any of that. Um, and then even just like in like the movies or just in social media, like yes, I discussed before, there's very few folks that look like me out there. Um, so it, it definitely created a sense of identity crisis for me, right? And it also gave me like an incredible amount of imposter syndrome, an incredible amount of imposter syndrome. Cause I'm just like, oh no, like I'm not doing what, Asians are portrayed to be doing, you know, I'm not, I'm not submissive, I'm not weak, I'm not whatever the stereotypes were, right, which are completely terrible, like, instead, I'm, I'm very loud, right, so, like, a lot of the times, there's a lot of, like, questioning, like, is this okay, am I okay to be doing this, which also, like, leads into, like, a high amount of anxiety, because you always feel as if you have to perform 150%, um, an example of that for me today was I wrote one trillion instead of one billion, just a simple misspelling. I had a total freak out <laughs> and like I, I had to call my mentor and I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this happened, all that kinds of stuff. And she reminded me that it's okay, everybody makes mistakes. And that's just the reality of, of, of for me, of my experiences of having folks that don't look like me because I always feel I always have to prove myself. But when you have a seat at the power or at the seat at the table and you bring others with you, then as they grow old up and they get that wisdom, they get a sense of understanding of that, that uh, what, what is expected of them. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does. Um, and something I want to add to that is in regards to like how important it is to put yourself out there if you want to become a leader. Um, I think you know, humans aren't humans like 
naturally psychologically like risk adverse beings so we have a lot of fear we're like fearful beings and so we don't take risks um and that's like an inherent aspect of our psychology and I think just like as you grow your leadership just not being afraid to take those risks um because I think I heard this I think I heard this somewhere from like another podcast but I was just talking about how when people are on their deathbed you know the one thing that they say that they you know regret in life or more or things that they didn't do rather than things they did and so going back to just like not being afraid to take those risks and putting yourself out there because you only have like one life. I know that sounds cheesy, but I think, you know, it's really, it's really real. And when you become older, you probably think about those things a lot. Like should have just done that or I should have went for it. Um, so yeah, do all you can basically. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that 100%. I think it's very important to take risks, put yourself out there, but be very calculative and strategic in how you take your risk. Um, don't just jump into the deep end and expect to know how to swim. No, it, it, you will drown, but I mean, you might survive, right? But <laughs> be calculated in your risk. Be, be smart in your risk, please. Um, so an example for me is I, I went to school for mechanical engineering and I was an engineer, like true and blue, and I wanted to be an engineer so bad. I got into the field like, two months in, I realized I hated engineering. <laughs> I hated it so much. But then I took the, the risk to do the career change, uh, to change careers, which is calculated in it, right? My risk adverse Asian parents, I love them, but they're like, oh, just stick it through, just stay in engineering, you went to school there, blah, 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 blah. I wasn't happy. I was not happy. And and um, so then I, I took the risk to to, quote unquote, throw away my education, as they said, and then find a job that, that I enjoyed. Yeah, um, Maya, definitely cheesy, but it's true. You know, take risks, because um, uh, you only have so much time um, before that uh, your window kind of closes. Yeah, um, okay, I was thinking about this a lot, especially when, yeah. No, I saw those VO1, you know, director applications come through. And I was just thinking like, you know, the bid packet that my university worked on, we worked on that two years ago. Like it it has been something that we had thought about a long time ago in the COVID. And by two years, like by the time two years passed, all the leaders that would have wanted this position were gone and graduated. And then I was just like, oh God. Um do you still want to do this? And I just thought, you know, if it is going to be a UAC since, you know, our bid packet was accepted, like, you know, this is kind of a once in a lifetime opportunity. Who knows when I'll have this chance again. Um, so I just like, that was a big risk that I took by even applying for this position and just thinking that if I didn't, I would regret it a lot. Um, and so glad I did. Um, but yeah, I know it's cheesy, <laughs> thanks, James. <laughs> and uh, I'm really glad you took that risk too, Maya, because it's been it's been a really good pleasure working with you, and I I've really enjoyed seeing your leadership grow. Yeah, just just you watch, Nathan. You know, when March rolls around, I will have you shaking <laughs> in your boots, Nathan. You'll be like, 
who is this girl? This is not the same girl I went on hotel tours with. Um, I guarantee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, time check here. Um, to wrap things up, um, to our listeners, uh, whether you're students or not, we're proud of what you've accomplished so far. Um, we encourage you to keep grinding, uh, take, take risks. You will get to the finish line. Um, but in the meantime, we hope you're able to take something away from us this episode and previous episodes if you haven't had a chance to check those out yet. Oh, yes. Okay. Um, I also want to give a shout out to, you know, our behind the scenes folks. Um, you know, me, Jay, James and Nathan here, we're, we're talking to you, but you guys do not get to see all the folks who work on this podcast um, that are equally as important to, you know, the outcome. And so I want to give a quick shout out to the rest of our coaster cohort, you know, for helping us gather resources, topics, um, and always just supporting us, you know, whether or not they're talking on the episode or not. Um, and then a shout out always, always to our favorite VPI, Linda. Um, her guidance has been amazing. And for those of you who don't know, our COSER term is coming to an end in only a few days. And Linda, Linda has been our rock. So Linda, if you're listening, thank you for everything. Thank you. We love you. And with that, uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning into episode eight of Let's Co-Start a Conversation with guest speaker, Nathan. We talked a lot about our experiences as leaders in our various roles and what it means to put yourself out there and explore different routines and spaces. Um, I'm thinking about this more as we can move on to the next big thing and prepare the past to torch on to our next cohort of state representatives. But in the meantime, best of luck on finals or with whatever challenges you're facing and happy holidays. Thank you, everyone. Happy holidays. Bye. What are three words that you would use to describe this cohort? Um, I would say chaotic, um, fun, and loving, I'd say. The first word is probably head ass, because of all the things that we have done and like just beyond crazy moments in which like you know, no old Kozar has ever done before. Um, I would also just say very open-minded because we all come from like very different backgrounds, different identities, in which like it allows for us to kind of learn about each other, which is, I think is super amazing. And then I would also say family because, because of that open-mindedness and like being there for each other, all of us have had our ups and downs in which even if like we had to take a break or like we just needed someone to lean on, we were able to do that for each other. Even if it was just like between two people or like between the whole cohort, I think like I can honestly feel that like I'm able to be vulnerable and be able to kind of express like my true self to like this cohort. Mess. <laughs> Crazy. Spicy. Unique caring and authentic for me i'd say my first word is probably growth just because it's amazing to see like the growth that we have like you know coming together like in our first meeting at least like me and jennifer's first meeting because we were late additions back in april and like seeing the growth that um we took along with the rest of the goal was really amazing passion is probably another um word just because like it's amazing to see like how passionate we all are for um supporting our vsa supporting uv center west and just like the support we have for each other and probably my last word, which I think is the strongest word of all the three is family, just because 
Um, whenever times are tough, like someone has a down day in our cohort, like we're all there to pick them up. Um, and like we just support each other every single day. Not not just like in VSA endeavors, but like in just life in general. So like that's been really amazing to um, be a part of this like family of co-stars. I would say supportive because we're all very supportive of each other. Um, and if things happen, then we're okay with it and we support each other because of that. We're also very persistent. So this year, despite a lot of changes and a lot of things going on in our lives, we are still persistent and we still push through. And then lastly, I would say we're very diverse because there's a lot of things about us that are unique and different and that's just what makes our cohort very special. Supportive, passionate, and definitely goofy. Hi, it's Maya here, the Illinois Co-Star, and if I were to describe my cohort in three words, it would be comforting because my cohort is literally my comfort people. They make me feel so cozy and warm and welcomed, and I love them. And then intimate because our whole cohort is so intimate and we all have a really good relationship and we can talk to one another about everything. And then I would also say they're very understanding because each and every single one of them is extremely understanding about what's going on in the world and what's going on in like our lives. And there is no pressure at all. Um, we are just really empathetic with each other. What is your favorite memory of this COSAR term? Oh my God. <laughs> so my favorite um, COSAR term besides this trip that we were just recently on, I think something that actually like was really meaning to me is when we were all on our first informal podcast together. Um, we had really, uh, Richie and Molly did like a great job leading it and we were able to do like, we're not really strangers and then also be able to kind of learn about each other and kind of like crack jokes and like do humor. And I think what really like inspired me was just like all the questions in which we got a little deep and kind of just talked about. But then also just like, you know, Richie's energy in which like he really tries to like uplift all of us and be able to like kind of be like our own selves and just, you know, giving those good vibes. And then, you know, every single person like adds on to it in which like it kind of encourages me to, you know, be a part of that. You know, frankly enough, like I do, I am a leader, but also very observant in which like I feel shy, but you know, everyone here makes me like a better person. Yeah, yeah. Favorite memory is probably Kosar Retreat. First day you meet these people, um, I mean, you go f through a full term without meeting them and then you realize that you don't really know, you know how tall they are. I would say hands down the best memory from my COSAR term is COSAR retreat, which was at the end of our term. Um, everybody flew to Chicago and we all hung out and got to see each other in real life and bond and do fun touristy things together. And it was just so amazing and the highlight of my 2021. Like just seeing like the podcast like coming to life like mm -hmm. for the longest we talked about like what closer project could look like and stuff like that and i know i mentioned like podcast being like one of my like ideas and just like seeing everyone come on board and like it come to life and it it happened <laughs> my favorite memory oh my gosh so no wait what is my favorite memory so many I think my favorite memory would have to just be the weekly meetings and just getting all the support and love from my fellow cohort it was really 
a good, fun environment, such a positive environment, and I wouldn't trade my experience for anything. I would say my favorite memory from our COSAR term would probably be COSAR retreat. I think it was just really fun and nice to get to see everyone in person for the first time, but also for the last time since our term is ending soon um, when COSAR retreat was happening. Um, another memory I would also say besides COSAR retreat would be our first um, meeting. I don't remember what exactly it was, but I just remembered we played We're Not Really Strangers and I think it was cool getting to know everyone for the first time and like getting more intimate and creating those bonds early on. And so besides like all the business stuff, I really liked and enjoyed the interpersonal memories that we've made as a COSAR cohort. Favorite memory, probably the first um, recording, the recording of the first episode for um, Let's Go Start a uh, Conversation. Um, that was interesting just because like it was our, at least my first time recording a podcast. I wasn't sure what my expectations were going into it. And like we were um, like through, throughout the whole episode and the recording of it, like it was really cool to like um, have these ideas flowing and just like, have this conversation. Well, I remember at one point I honestly forgot that we were even like recording a podcast like because we were talking about like our identities, how important they were to us. Um, and it's like good to see how like us being vulnerable for a little bit and just like talking with each other about it and like showcasing our thoughts and views on that topic and like how we grew from like that one episode to like the episodes we have now all the topics and um, fun we've had doing the um, podcast has been also pretty cool to see grow my favorite memory of osar is probably would be every Google meeting, to be honest. Everyone is just so caring, authentic. Their energy is very contagious. Every time I go to a meeting, I always end up smiling and laughing. Yeah. Any words of encouragement or advice for rising leaders? I'd say um, if you have any regrets or, or not regrets, if you have any like doubts or like, um, like a second thoughts on doing something like a leadership position, just like go for it. Like, I remember um, I didn't apply for like the second or the first um, run through for like Indiana CoStar. Um, I remember like doing the second run through, I was like persuaded by a few people and I honestly thought about not doing it. Um, but I was like, you know what, like, let's do it. Like, let's take a shot on it. Like, um, it's probably one of the best decisions I've ever made just cause like, you know, like having this experience um, of being CoStar representing my state, being a part of this cohort um, and just doing a lot of things that I wouldn't think like myself Growing from, you know, a regular member of my BSA as a freshman to now, like, it's insane to see the change I've made. Um, and I feel like if you have that mindset of just, like, um, not, have, not having doubts, not having any regrets, and just going forward with decisions, um, not being impulsive, obviously, but, like, um, just doing something based on your passion, stuff like that, um, I think goes a long way and, like, it helps you evolve, not just as a leader, but as a person in general. Just be yourself. Go with the flow. Be authentic. You got this always try to find your passion and try to find a reason to keep doing what you love um, through hard times. So even if you might be going through some things or times might be tough and you might feel like wanting to give up or just taking a break, I think it's good to always take a step back and think, why are you doing this? And how can I keep doing this? Because for me, at least for this COSAR term, um, despite you know, a lot of things happening all at once. Um, I 
have always been able to come to co-star meetings because I know that my co-star cohort will always be there for me and they're really supportive and just being able to see them at the meeting and just talk to them makes me feel a lot better. Just do it. If you're thinking about it, if you're like, I don't know, I don't think I'd be that good. Just do it. Just go for it. You're literally not going to know until you're in that position. And if you make mistakes, who cares? We are human, you know, and we make mistakes so that we can learn and grow. So if you're questioning yourself, just go for it. My advice to any rising leaders would be to use your new leadership opportunities as a chance to grow out of your shell and to think outside the box and expand your skill set and try new things. Um, and then to also remember that if you're doing, for example, nonprofit work, you're doing that work to serve other people and to benefit the community. So also decenter yourself when you're working and remind yourself who are you doing this for and who are you helping? Um, yeah. Yeah, for advice, I generally like to keep to myself a lot because I don't like to bother others in general. Um, some days will be extremely difficult to do anything, but you know, you roll out of bed, maybe you look like a bottle of regret, worse in your life. You don't have to explain everything, but do you take a moment to be emotionally available and share those troubles, those burdens with your team? they want you to do well. I feel like this one is like used a lot, but like, like don't be afraid to speak up. And like, if there's something like you wanna like suggest, suggest it. Like there might be people who shoot it down. There might be people who like wanna hear more about it. And that's definitely how I felt about like the podcast. And um, that's success for me, but you know, not every time that you bring up something is gonna be success, but just bringing stuff up and being confident in your um, choices <laughs> will get you somewhere. I think the one thing I can tell you to like anyone that's watching this is to give it a shot. I think a lot of people are normally scared or intimidated or think like this is something that's not for them, but you have to also ask yourself, how do you know that? Like, What makes you think that? oftentimes like you know I didn't think I was good enough for Kozar but here I am right and I think a lot of my cohort can also be like you know we didn't 100% know what we were going into but did we have a good support system absolutely were we able to show our emotions and like our express ourselves to each other yeah but I think the more important thing is that we all took on the challenge and took the positive risk to do something that like I don't think we've ever seen before soon and Personally, I'm really proud of that, and I think this cohort will like last in my heart for a long, long, long time, probably forever. Let's go! Start! A. Con. Ver. Set. Shun.